Hey everybody, this is the Everyman Podcast and this is Dan Doty. This is episode 10. Before we begin, I want to give an update on our expedition and our retreat and our group creation process. Our Yellowstone expedition is at the very end of August. It's It starts on the 27th. It's a seven-day adventure. We're about half sold out right now and we have a handful of spaces left. Um... I I keep saying it every week and I feel like I'm I'm you know repeating myself over and over but this is the one of the biggest dreams I've ever had was to put on this trip like legitimately and it's uncomfortable for me to feel my dream coming true it's also amazing and uh if you've been thinking about it if you're interested in in hearing more about it uh, check us out at our website everyman.co e v r y m a n.co uh, and also reach out to us because if you're curious about what the expedition is going to be like, I'm taking calls with guys all the time, 15, 30 minute calls, calls just to check in and I'm learning a lot and I'm enjoying it. And, um, so it's a, it's a mutual, mutually beneficial experiment there. So reach out, see if you're interested. Uh, we are looking for men across the world. Uh, I thought I would be saying country, but I mean the world right now who are interested in taking on the responsibility for forming their own everyman group. We have about 40 of these groups in their first stages of liftoff right now all over the United States. I think probably 25 states so far, Canada, Australia, Scotland, pretty exciting. It's slightly overwhelming, but really exciting. We have a lot of momentum right now. So if this is something that you think you have time for and you're really interested in, please reach out. On the other hand, if taking the initiative to start a group, which is a real commitment, if that sounds like a lot to you and you would like to just be potentially a member of a group, which is obviously what the majority of guys uh, should do, they we have a we have a website coming it's coming in maybe one week maybe two weeks at the most three weeks and what this website is going to do is easily put you in touch with people around you that are interested in forming a group and being in a group and it's going to be the central hub for all things every man uh, so what you see up on our website now will will be disappearing i'm kind of sad i like what we have um, but we have something really really cool coming so Thank you guys. I really appreciate your listening. I really appreciate all of your emails, all of your support. If you haven't done so yet, uh, and a review at iTunes really does give us a boost. It's a very helpful thing. It's one of the one of the measurements that uh, people use to see the success of a podcast. And uh, I really appreciate all of you who have given a review. And if you haven't, take take a minute if you would. <laughs> Our guest today is Andy Lear, and I'm not going to tell you too much about him, so I'm going to let him introduce himself. Andy, welcome. Thank you. Excited that you're here, man. I'm excited to be here, too. So, first and foremost, um, give us a a sort of to-the-bone, one-minute biography of who you are. Where did you grow up, and who were you when you were young? Where were you? What what were the sort of big, impactful parts of your childhood? Well, I would say... um I was born in Minnesota, and uh, yeah, I just want to say too, just even as I sit here, I'm like, ooh, a little nervous right now. <laughs> so it, yeah. it's it, it's interesting because it's like, 
telling my story is something that I know how powerful it is for mm. anyone to tell their story and that every time we tell our story, more information comes in. It's like yeah. more of us comes back if we're honest about it, if we actually feel it. Mm-hmm. And I think just just energetically, even sitting with you, because you know, I've met you a few times and I just know that you're uh, someone that, that wants to be present and that practices being present. And when someone else is present in front of us, it, it really gives us that opportunity to show up. Yeah. And, you know, learn more even in the moment, even if it's a, a story we've told many so, times. So how does that feel? Like, how do you know when you, when you have that, like, what's it actually feel like for you? Because I think other guys probably have similar experiences, but uh, we can give some examples of how it, yeah, how, how, how does that yeah, show up? Absolutely. For you? Well, yeah. I know that um, one of the first things that happens for me, I start to notice my throat tightening mm. and even I can hear it in my voice and it gets a little gravelly. Um, there's sometimes even a little shake to it. And, um, I would say sternum tends to tighten a little bit. The breath becomes a little shorter. Yeah. Um, there's a, you know, heart speeds up. I would say there's a constriction and I'd say in the past when this would happen, I would see it as, Oh no, I'm anxious. Oh no, this shouldn't be happening. And then it would just get worse. And I recognize it now. It's like, Oh, this is excitement. This is, this is, this is me, um, waking up. This is me right on the edge of like interesting waking up. Yeah. Um, but you know, in, in my youth, so, um, you know, my folks were divorced when I was two and a half and, you know, done a lot of work in my adult life and just how impactful that was. Mm-hmm. Um, went to live with my dad. Um, and, uh, my mom stayed in Minnesota. My dad took my sister and I to Colorado with, uh, his new wife. Mm-hmm. And this is probably about a half a year. And then she had two kids too. So um, we were all very young, all about a year apart. And um, so going to to Colorado, uh, the, our house was um, up the pass from Colorado Springs. So about 45 minutes, half hour, 45 minutes. Is that up past, um, what's that little town up there? That's Green really, Mountain Falls uh, or Manitou Springs? Manitou is what I was thinking Yeah, of. so past Manitou. Okay. So we'd, it was a beautiful drive every day because we went to school in the Springs. Okay. And yet, and my dad would commute for work. And so we would drive this beautiful path, see Pikes Peak every day, drive through Garden of the Gods. But we were actually further than Manitou Springs up in Woodland Park or Got it. Green Mountain <laughs> Falls area. And then we lived up on the side of the mountain. So a beautiful place. Um, you know, looking back, grateful that, that I was in nature like that. But there, there, wasn't, there weren't a lot of people around um, right. or kids. Yeah. And so we were really dependent um, in this, this small family unit. And, you know, from that point, um, you know, given I was young, so it's piecing certain memories together and, you know, getting memory over time. But I, I didn't talk very much. Mm. Um, actually, when I, when I did speak and when I started to speak, I had such a severe stutter that it was hard to get most words out. Really? And yeah, and just yeah. being, being, uh, being, um, well, just in our culture, right? Yeah. Like people yeah, don't respond yeah. to stuttering all that well. They, you so know, I'm just trying to picture yeah. how old of a boy were you with a stutter? Well, it started, like, started early on. I, yeah. I mean, I would say I didn't speak, um, as most kids would speak. I was just very quiet and withdrawn. Yeah. Um, but then when it was more required of me and I'm, I'm imagining, uh, 
you know, probably started to speak more four and a half, five uh, around kindergarten. So getting more into preschool education, things like that, where, you know, there's a lot more questions and there's more adults asking things of you um, or of me. Um, And that's when I, that's when it was really uh, evident. And man, yeah. And so, you know, a lot of people just trying to finish my sentence or feeling uncomfortable. Right? Yeah. I mean, I recognize it now that when when someone is just any human being is suffering in somewhere uncomfortable, other people get uncomfortable. It brings up their own discomfort. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. amazing. Yeah. So yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, keep going. I'm no, just, no, I'm just, that uh, the, the, I'm just blown away by. Gosh, what was the last one? I did a podcast. You met Aaron Blaine yes. in the group briefly, so yes. we we did a podcast. Oh, excellent. I got to check that out. Yeah. And he shared that when he was young, Mm -hmm. he got hit in the head. I don't know. And like went blind in an eye and had to lay on his back for an entire year. Oh my God. Couldn't stand up. Like the, the story, like when we actually take the time to hear about like each other's stories, it is like, it's incredible. I mean, that's just, you just gave me a little window there. Like you were a quiet boy and you had a stutter and it's just, it's kind of blowing me away. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing. Yes. Yeah. Keep yeah. going. Keep going. And, you know, I, I mean, I, that, that's such a good point too, because I think that we all come from, well, we all come from experiences that are traumatic. I think it's traumatic being a human being. Yeah. And, and there's, you know, we just kind of, you know, there's a pace of things that I think it's very easy to, disregard and especially at a young age i mean we're we're doing all we can do to survive we're adapting as as creatures do even if the conditions aren't ideal yeah we're going to figure out how to how to make it work because that's that's what our bodies do they Mm -hmm. try to stay alive and you know i that that period of time i spent most of my time i would say alone um you know i had friends in school but not until like i was in fourth grade that i really started to feel comfortable so i spent a lot of my time in the woods and my memory of it, and I don't know how far I was actually going, but my memory was I'd walk outside and during my free time and I'd just wander. Really? And then I would eventually come back down the mountain and end up on some road and then walk home. You're shitting me. Yeah. Wow. And, and this was also, you know, um, early 80s, the, the late 70s. So it was a different time also. Wow. But, you know, for the most part, um, my siblings and I, we raised ourselves. Okay. You know, so there was just, there was a lot of, you know, just lack of attention that, that we were actually needing. Yeah. And, you know, recognizing now as an adult, what I needed was my mom. Mm. Like just having that, that, that connection and, you know, the, the circumstances are what they are. And I, uh, from, from that point, um, of, of like the age of 10 in fourth grade, we ended up moving back to Minnesota. Okay. Um, which for me, everyone else seemed to want to go, but for me it was, it was, it was, a pretty uh, crushing experience because how I felt my safety was to, in many ways, um, disassociate and just be in the woods and not right. really have to be around a lot of people. I wish we could like zoom back in a time machine and be in your head in the woods as a little kid like that. I'm so curious. What did it? Do you remember what it felt like? I, I do. Yeah, I do. It well, it like? felt safe. Okay. Right. Home didn't yeah. feel safe. Yeah. Um. I, you know, I, I had a stepmother that. Um, it was uh it was a really difficult difficult experience growing up with her 
and it still is. She's a very um, uh, difficult person to be around, and and I feel like ill in a lot of ways. And so mm. there was, you know, there was a there was there was a lot of uh, um, well, it was an abusive house, mm-hmm. and and I think abuse doesn't have to be you know getting punched or knocked around. There's a lot of subtleties that happen when when people don't take care of their own shit when yeah. people don't take care of like what's happening in them yep. then it gets weird for everybody and especially when someone's in a, a position of power or a parent um it's it's so it's so crucial because those things are going to be passed on and then it's you know and then it's yeah. the the work of someone else to sort their own stuff out and figure out whose is whose i think that message that you just said so simply and eloquently that when somebody doesn't deal with their own shit it Mm -hmm. spills out onto others i feel like most people know that in some sense maybe in an intuitive sense maybe in a literal sense direct Mm -hmm. um i don't think that can be said enough to be honest with you i I think that the the more that we can be honest and open about that um the healthier the chance of being healthier i think we have for for all kinds of people so i'm I'm glad you said that yeah and i absolutely get why you know just just as a as as a human being i think it's it's the way the way that feels uh safest mm. like if we can just get away from the feeling then we'll be fine or if right. we can just get away from something that we don't recognize and yet right it just builds yeah. up and it gets passed on generation to generation culture to culture yeah and um and and that's where like even this just talking about what what our experience is um, it, it helps to, um, I have a colleague that talks about a corrective experience. Corrective. And, yeah. And I, I feel yeah. like, like these moments are corrective experiences where I can put this very vulnerable truth out and then it's received. It's not, you know, you don't like look away from me and you're right. not like, Oh, that's, that's too deep, Andy. Right. 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 But yeah. you're just, you're, yeah. you're, you're staying with it and it yeah. brings up your own, uh, experience. Yep. And so we get to just be in that truth together and, and witness it. And that, like that, that to me is healing. And, and just, so we recognize that, Oh, I can actually, I can say things. And even if someone turns away, I'm not destroyed by it. I love, I love the way you're, I love having you put your words to this because you're, you're in, in many ways, just uh, peeling back the layers to the underbelly of what we do mm-hmm. in our groups and, and, and what this yeah. podcast hopefully can, can bring about. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Keep, keep preaching, sir. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Um, you know, and so the stuttering continued um, and it, it, I would, it, it got more, it became more intense when uh, I moved back to Minnesota, and you know, there's there's a variety of reasons that I could go on and on about, but um, it it was it was a really really difficult time, and especially at that age of ten. Mm-hmm. Um, so like you know, getting close to sixth grade and then moving into um, just that that time period of sixth to eighth grade, which is a yeah. tough time for a lot of people. Yeah, um, that you know. Uh, that time was 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 tough, and I really, in my in my earlier, um, well, earlier days, like when I was much younger, even four, I I had fantasies of running away. I mm. just imagined going off into the mountains. And I think of that like four is so little, so little, really little. Yeah, so like, little. That's amazing. Yeah, to yeah. to have that survival instinct that something was way off. Yeah, and 
and you know it it just it it built in me but then you know as adolescence hit it became more of running away suicide like just just the mind trying to find a way to escape right a situation that felt so painful right but i was being told that it wasn't painful and and so you mean by your family by by my by family the people around or, you yeah yeah, yeah. and and yeah. people not really recognizing um what was happening yeah. and and so you know i spent those years really i i'm glad i made it through um i i i've unfortunately had friends that um that i that i could trust and that they recognized what was happening and just how difficult a home situation was. And so any opportunity they could have me over their house, they would. And so hmm. I, you know, just instinctually, I, I, there was no logic behind this at the time, but instinctually I look back and it's like, wow, I really, I found um, safe havens. Places to be. Places to be. Wow. And yeah. I had other friends that, yeah. that also operated that way. And did you have any woods or anything close to you in Minnesota to so, continue some of that safety finding? Or I had some. It was a different area. It, it, was, it was such a different area. Yeah. But we had, so I lived on Lake Manitonka. Okay. And that was a big chain of lakes and a very populated area. But there was, there was pockets, like this place called the island that I had. A lot of my good friends lived out there. And it was pretty much undeveloped. Well, it was less developed at that point. Mm. And so there was old little patches of woods, but pretty small areas. Yeah. But we could, you know, at that age, you go into the woods and you're totally alone. Or out on the lake. Or yeah. during the winter, you could be out on the lake and it's it's just a different wild area. I'm curious, and this is just my bias coming out right away, but did you get, did you have any big wilderness or deeper nature experiences when you were a kid? Did you ever get to take a trip? Did anybody? Not at you know, not until I was about 19. 19. Honestly, okay. yeah. yeah. I, I I always wanted to. Yeah. Living in Colorado, mm-hmm. we'd, we'd, my, my, my dad would take us trout fishing. Mm-hmm. And so we'd be, you know, out on trails or out on the river. But in terms of like a track or a hike and where you have your gear and you got to bring your food and all, all that stuff. Um, didn't have that until I was 19. And I should have asked even more direct. I was going to ask yeah. about the Boundary Waters if yes. you've ever been there. And, and the Boundary Waters, that's when it was 19. Nice. And nice. I had uh, a really good friend, uh, Randy, and uh, my mom lived in a community close to Minneapolis uh, in Minnesota. And um, so I would spend weekends with her or, or every other weekend or part of the summer. So we kind of had this, this uh, split parenting thing. And when I would go there, um, Randy, he, he lived across the street from my mom and he has, he has a family. Um, and he would often, well, he, he worked nights his whole life. He worked at the, the, the water department. And so he'd be huh. around during the day and, and he'd check on us sometimes or he'd help me with things. And so just knowing him. And then as I, I was a young adult, like I remember when I reconnected with him, I think I, you know, I was probably 17 or 18 and I had my Volkswagen Scirocco that, I just drove like a madman and, you know, missed a corner during the winter and hit the, hit the curb and blew out my tire. Okay. So yeah. I had no clue how to change a tire or any of that. So Randy came and helped me and then just stayed in more contact. But he invited me to the Boundary Wires at 19. Nice. And so went up yeah. with him and I, you know, I went for the next uh, 20 some years. Damn. Yeah. And I haven't been up there. It's been a couple of years just because I've been out in Montana now. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, uh, we would go about twice a year. We go in the spring before the, the, um, the bugs got really bad. Mm-hmm. So like May mm-hmm. 18th to just before June. And, uh, and then we go in the fall and some of those early trips, we do like 15 days up there. Man, like my, 
my neck gets all tingly and just <laughs> thinking about that place that was my first wilderness experience too yeah. i was i was 14 13 nice. maybe seventh or eighth grade and went on a church trip yeah and uh I had no idea paradise could be so real. Yeah. I love that place, man. It is an amazing place. <laughs> it's just a special, yeah. special, I can taste the water. I yeah. actually can still taste what that, what the water <laughs> tastes like. And, and you know, the, the rivers that drain out of there into Lake Superior, I spent years hiking the Lake Superior trail yep. for a job and drinking those out of those rivers. And yeah. something about that is maybe one of my top three human experiences. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I love the place. I will be going yeah. back. Amazing. Yeah. So, so, um, 19, you, you went, had your first wilderness experience and did we skip over anything there? I'm, I, I'm really curious as to not to force it, but we, I guess we don't have all the time. So yeah. what's the resolution of, of the stuttering? What's, what was the, how did that, I mean, you obviously don't stutter now. Well, and, and it's interesting because I feel that I do, but I can feel it inside. So, oh. you know, I, I, I can feel the stutter before other people hear it or see it. And wow. it's, I mean, I would say, you know, stutters, it's a restriction. It's a holding back. I mm. mean, many of my, my uh, adaptive techniques that I used and that still come up sometimes is to be small, to be unseen, to be invisible. Right. And, you know, to not show myself as I am because it, it wasn't safe at, 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 at some point. Yeah. And the stuttering was part of that, right? I mean, mm. because when, when those things happen, physical body constricts just as well as the emotional spiritual body. Right. Um, right. and, and so, you know, I got some instruction, uh, when I was in grade school in junior high. Um, and you know, I, I didn't want it. I didn't want to, I didn't want anybody to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even though it was quite apparent. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, you know, there was a couple things there that helped. And then, you know, I, I went, I started to work outside and this is around the time I was probably about 19 and became a tree trimmer and started to climb trees. Nice. And I worked on the ground for a while just because, you know, I'm a, I'm a small frame guy and they're like, you, you need to you know, get stronger before you start climbing. Mm-hmm. And so I did that. And that was, that was an amazing experience because there was, it was all, well, it was all men on, on, on the, on the cruise. And so it's like I had where I didn't really have male role models. Suddenly I had a lot of different types of male role models. Cool. And, uh, really give just, me a snapshot on one of them. Uh, just, one of just them. a face and a, and a feeling. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, one of the one, um, uh, my primary mentor, Zig, he, uh, he just, he taught in the way he taught by example okay. for sure. So he was, it was an amazing worker, amazing trimmer, um, very organized in what he did and had lots of ideas and philosophies and was, you know, always sharing them. And, and at the same time, when I was working on something, he would just, he would just keep me to it. Like if I wanted to quit, he would just say, just keep trying. Yeah. We have all the time in the world. It's all right. (laughs) I can remember we're trying to back up the truck and the chipper. I I think, you know, something that would take most people like five minutes or less. I think I was out there 45 minutes. Wow. And just getting more and more frustrated. And, and then eventually I calmed down and there I was, it's like I, I made it. Or times that I was climbing and that I was in a spot that I was stuck and couldn't get to the top and was asking for something else or I can't do it. I remember one time he said, Andy, can't never did anything for you. So stop <laughs> saying it. And it was, you know, I look back and it was, it was brash. And in some ways that's what I needed at the time. I mean, I wouldn't say that's, that's always the best technique. Right. 
Um, but there's a place for it. Yeah. What is what I'm hearing. And I agree. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. I can make connections to, uh, one of my mentors in high school. His name was John Weersman and I worked at his pig farm mm-hmm. and, uh, the man never said he taught me so much and never once said anything to teach me anything. You know what I mean? Yes. Just like we work together. Yeah, That's it. exactly. That's it. Yeah. And yeah, there's, uh, there's a presence about working. Oh yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's massively helpful. I think, especially at certain stages and, and I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it plays into the, the, you know, the, the male role and the, and the male idea of what we think we should be and, and, and all of these things. And, and maybe there's something just more primal too. I don't know. I don't proclaim to understand it, but man, is it, is it helpful? So Zig, Zig was your yeah. guy. Yeah. yeah. His, his, his full name is actually Ken, uh, Ken Ziggleman mm-hmm. and people would mm-hmm. just call him Zig. So, mm-hmm. and you know, I eventually like just that, that became my source of feeling okay about my life which I had to be active. Cool. And so there was, there was an element of kind of uh, adrenaline junkie. Got it. I mean, and, and so if I wasn't busy, if I wasn't climbing, if I wasn't doing a lot of work, then I usually, f- I, I would feel very depressed. I would start to stutter again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so there was this, this cycle that continued to happen. And because, you know, a lot of what I was trying to get away from was the experience I had growing up. And yet, Right, we take it with us. It's yeah. part, it's it's in our cells. It's in our body, and until we we have some awareness of it, and and some understanding, there's not a lot of conscious changes we can make. Totally. Before you take that further, I just sure. want to say I know two or three million guys that <laughs> uh, seem to be in a similar place. Of I I don't you know, so many guys who come to our groups, guys I work with. Um, they have a saving grace mm-hmm. of action and activity mm-hmm. and they work out and they do jujitsu and they climb and they run and they bike and they hike and they do all of these things. Yeah. And it is, it is a healthy, I mean, it, you know, uh, I don't want to say bad or good to anything really, but right. you know, it's, it's, it's a healthy outlet, but without it, there is a, there's a, something that's really missing and, 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 and there's a, yeah. I think you hear, I think you understand what I'm absolutely. saying, but it's a cover in a sense. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And yeah. I think everything, I mean, any of the talents we have and the ways that we adapt, they're all a double-edged sword. Yeah. And so if we don't, you know, if we don't, if we aren't aware of what we're needing or what we're really wanting in that moment, then we're just going to stay with the default. Mm. And that's, that's where we get hurt in it. Because even if someone's not in an area that they can be active, you know, like we can out in, you yeah. know, in this area of Montana, you know, I know plenty of people that just work. I mean, this is, this was my dad. He just worked all the time. He was the office guy and he was there all the time or he's working at home. Well, that was my pig farmer boss, John. He yeah. was a workaholic. He had a, he had a, he was a PhD man. He was a, he, wow. he ran a, a test farm for the university of Minnesota and I actually worked for him in the day too. But so he had a nine to five and then he would drive out to his pig farm and work till dark, wow. you know, no matter what, yep. all year long. And, yeah. um, and he had his issues, you know, he, yep. there was rumors in town about him being a drinker and mm-hmm. these other things. And you know what, the thing is, is that none of that actually mattered in, in terms of his relationship with me. Right. It was such a simple, direct relationship, you know, yeah. he just, uh, taught me how to work hard Yeah. by working hard himself. That's it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So staying active and, and the adrenaline that, that gave you sounds like a, uh, a reason to wake up in the morning and it gave you uh, 
something you had to keep doing. Other, yes. Otherwise, what? Otherwise, otherwise what? I'd feel depressed. Yeah. Otherwise, I would yeah. just, you know, and during the time I was in my, you know, early 20s and, you know, I was experimenting with drugs, alcohol, and just, just kind of, I would, I would go on these waves of, you know, drinking too much or everything was too much at mm. that point. Mm-hmm. And, and partly I, it was, it was always that because what I was feeling was too much. What I, what I was feeling, it felt, felt I was afraid of. Hmm. I didn't even know what it was, but it was a lot of pain. It was mm. a lot of trauma. It was a lot of, yeah. um, it was a lot of fear. And, you know, so I, I continued to find my way and just like, okay, if I work hard, then everything's fine. Right. So this, this is my, my, my mindset. And at 24, right. 23, 24, I moved out to Breckenridge, Colorado from, from Minnesota. And I had some friends out there and, um, and my mindset at the time was, okay, if I just keep everything novel and I, I, I don't stay anywhere too long, then I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it, it, it's such an interesting way to adapt. And yet that's not sustainable. Yeah, because we need to feel, we need to have connection. This is how we heal. Yeah. But at the time, yeah. I, that made no difference to me. I just, I didn't want to feel what I didn't want to feel. Yeah. And when I was, I was out there, uh, you know. Well, let me ask, if yeah, you could go, go back go into that place in your life, knowing that you didn't want to feel that, would you, if you could, would you have shifted that? Would you have changed it? Absolutely. You would have. Yeah. I knew... So when I was alone, right, and when I when I could feel safe enough to be honest, mm-hmm. um, I would get those waves of if I I need help, but I didn't know where to get help. Got it. I didn't even I I just I had no clue. I mean, now I work as a mental health therapist, mm-hmm. and I'd say it's not not just a, a talk therapist, but I incorporate the body, I incorporate the spirit, I incorporate everything about the person mm-hmm. and it's more about learning how to navigate things differently than fix anything there's nothing to fix mm-hmm. and i look back and it's like i had no clue anything like that was out there that anyone could really help me but that was that that's the power of um that's the power of shame that's the power of uh the the stories that we believe to stay away from the feeling that feels impossible yeah. And at the time, you know, stuff was happening, especially when I was younger. It, it I, I, I wasn't safe. I didn't have anyone to come in. Totally. Well, I, I, I hear you that it's power of shame. It's the power of that. But I also feel it's the power of a culture that doesn't, doesn't uh, actively encourage uh, men or young men. I mean, you could even say pretty much anybody really encourage yeah. you to to speak honestly about where you are, what you feel, what you need, and these right. things. But but boys specifically and young men specifically, you know, that's absolutely. It's um, absolutely. Yeah, it's a. Uh, to me, it's a huge crime, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, and I think that with with our culture, a lot of people don't even recognize that themselves, right? To because they're not practicing it. I mean, this is this is the the wild thing about culture is that if people don't see, they don't see. Right. If they're not awake right. to it, they're not awake to it. Yeah. And but I would say absolutely, it's especially for men, young men, boys. Um, you know, I grew up in a generation where there was there was more of a, a recognition. It's okay to cry. It's like, well, that's not enough. <laughs> it was. It was your yeah. generation. You felt like that was that that it was okay to cry. Yeah. 
the message was out there. Got it. But it's not that it, it was actually, you know, yeah. it's probably, it, it was, there was, there was a lot more emphasis on family and therapy. And yet at the same time, um, a lot of the parents at that time, it was just neglect, right? Because yeah. they were, they were reeling from growing up themselves. Yeah. And, you know, I find that, you know, for men in our culture, it's, you know, we get to be angry, but not too angry. Mm-hmm. And we need to harness that anger and be powerful and not powering with people exactly, but powering over, mm-hmm. but not powering over too much. Right. So mm-hmm. there's this, this very confusing message that's not even true. Yeah. And, yeah. and so there's, you know, a lot of men, right, they, they do their best to, to not show. I'm curious about, about you as a young man, how did anger fit in? Was was there access? Did you, was there any anger or was it, would, it? It would come out in rage. It would. It would just, yeah. it would, it would come out in big bursts of, and you know, what I understand now is it would come out in bursts of fear. Hmm. Um, you know, whether it was with my stepmom or my dad or um, other situations that felt more like just pushing me, pushing me, pushing me. Mm-hmm. And uh, or trying to get something out of me because I was so withdrawn, and so people, you know, would keep asking, keep pulling, right? And and then it would just burst out, mm-hmm. and you know, it might be throwing things or just you know having a tantrum, um, and that that pretty much, you know, I'm sure that happened some after high school, but it, what happened to that? It turned inward. Right, so where I would be hurting myself. Gotcha. And yeah, and more even just thoughts of suicide. That that's that's a violence towards ourself. Yeah. Um, How far did those thoughts go? Those thoughts definitely turned more into a planning stage when I was um, probably nineteen. I was about nineteen, so I had moved in with buddies. At the time, I was doing you know, a lot of drinking and drugs and just really n- not wanting to follow any rules. Yeah. And, um, and I had two guns and, um, that's interesting how intense this still is in my yeah. body. just the intensity of wanting to escape mm-hmm. uh, feeling when I felt, but not even really aware what, what was happening. Yeah. And I, I, um, yeah, I put the gun in my mouth and I had a three inch shell in it. It was a short shotgun. And I started to squeeze the trigger. And then I just, I let go, put it down recognize like it was almost like in that moment I, I, I woke up to a greater reality Wow! because everything before that I believed what my mind was telling me that I should do it I needed to do it there was no other way out and given right my lifestyle at the time drinking doing speed doing hallucinogens wow, smoking speed. pot yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah none of that None of that's helpful in this situation. <laughs> yeah. None of it's yeah, helpful. Yeah, right? It's just yeah. going to create more of a 
a diluted, depressed sense. Wow. And But what I saw was actually my mom. I saw an image of my mom and an image of my younger brother. So this is my mom's second marriage. She's eight years younger than me. Okay. And as far as I remember, it was the next day. I think this was at night, so I just went to bed. The next day, I called her up and to ask if I could move in there. And so thinking I was about 20, almost 21 at that point, this time is a bit foggy for me. And But you had been uh, doing the, the tree trimming already at this point. I was already doing the tree already trimming. Doing, yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah. 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 And, um, and so she said, yeah. And I, I didn't tell her anything that happened. Yeah. I don't think I've ever told this story to her. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was after that I'd put it away. I didn't use it anymore. I didn't, I didn't, even when the, the, the thought came up of suicide, I would just recognize it like, well, I'm not doing that. Wow. And the more, the more I recognize it as not being true, it's just, it's just information. Mm-hmm. I mean, those thoughts can still come up. Yeah. And it's more of, it's more of a sensation. Like we put the story to it. Mm-hmm. The sensation arises, the story pops and we're like, well, that's obviously not true. What's going on? Right. Oh, I'm tired or I'm hungry or, oh, I'm feeling lonely right now. Can you explain that? I want to hear your words about how the sensation arises and then the story comes to it. That's, I think that's something that yeah. it makes sense to you and I. Yeah. And I think, it, again, I think it can intuitively make sense to people, but mm-hmm. how do you, how do you explain that? Well, so I want to start with just this. Uh, so I've, I've, I've heard this story told in a, a variety of ways. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell it in my own way, yeah. which is coming out of the Buddhist tradition. Mm-hmm. And it's it's about two arrows. And so the first arrow is that we have contact with another person or we have an experience and we feeling arises. Yeah. Right? A sensation arises in the body, right? And whether it's and for a lot of people it might be the belly or the chest or the solar plexus or the throat or whatever it may be. And then, you know, trying to get some grip, trying to make something solid our mind does what it does it it tries to make sense out of it and attaches a story and these stories are based on what our experiences so and and a lot of those experiences most people aren't even aware of themselves it's the conditioning that we've grown up with yeah and it's not saying conditioning happens because we're in a bad situation conditioning happens because we're we're regardless of the situation yeah yeah Yeah. and and we're going to try to you know get some sense of control even though ultimately we're not in control we can make choices but we don't have control of the outcome yeah and and so for me like when i sense it i'm i'm aware of certain places in my body that i i i just have more i guess this is reiterating but a greater sense of awareness so right like my belly right um, or my throat. The yep. throat's a big one for me. When it constricts, I'm like, hmm, I wonder what's going on right now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not that I need to figure it out. Just giving it attention helps to soften it. It's yeah. Kind of like if I'm feeling yeah. scared and I have a friend come up, I'm like, you doing all right? Yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm just having an off day. It feels better. Yeah. Right? I get some recognition that someone recognizes it. We can do the same for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Now, does that? No, does no, that no. I, yeah, no. You, I, I, I'm. I was enwrapped. No, absolutely. I think that's very clear. And I th- I think it's this really, 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 when you, when you experience what you're talking about and you really can slow down and become aware of mm-hmm. these fundamental things, 
it really is something that that you can practice it's something you can you can learn it's some and the the benefit and the impact of being able to slow down that much with mm-hmm. yourself man it's uh it's fundamentally life shifting absolutely you know, that that awareness is um and yeah you know um i knew the 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 buddhist stuff would would come in here or the meditate both of us are i mean you're a practiced meditator correct mm-hmm. as as yes. i am and and so yeah for me the um two things that that you said so far really lit that part of me up and the first was that um you know life itself is traumatic which i immediately go to the you know the the fundamental buddhist thing that all life is suffering yes right you know it's there's a there's something there there's a there's a connection there and then yeah this 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 awareness this ability to catch your experience to to be present with your experience as it's happening before your mind spins and spits out a a reading on Mm. what and why and where and when and how is uh i just don't think we can I, I I don't think we can talk about that enough in some ways. Right. It, it's so fundamental and and that it is a Buddhist concept and it comes out of that tradition. And at the same time it's it's something that anybody regardless of your uh, religion or background or who you are, I believe you can you can slow down and and, and feel. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And I yeah. think in, you know, I won't get into details of the other traditions because I'm you know, I'm not well versed in all mm-hmm. of them, but you know, when when I look at other traditions, it's it's slowing things down. I mean, really, the just even even the act of worship, uh, the act of meditation, it is slowing things down, so mm-hmm. we can pay closer attention to what is what is happening. Yeah, and um, yeah, I think it's it's a beautiful thing because even if even in the practice of, I think even when we start to practice this way, oftentimes we might go through an experience. We're all wound up. We're all frustrated. And it might be three days later, it might be a week later that we notice, oh, I wonder (laughs) what was going on there. That's the start of it. Just that awareness of like, oh, yeah, someone said something and man, I got really hooked. Yeah. And I'm not even sure why, but I'm going to look. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's, I think it's the, the courage and the faith of just looking. Yeah. Just looking. Absolutely. Man, how did we start that rabbit hole? I don't remember where we were. (laughs) I usually don't know where anything started. <laughs> I just know it's a continuation of what's going on. I could just dive into that for yeah. for a ways, though, man. Um, well, I, I, I actually, well, I, I do know where that came from. It was um, well. Let's just let's keep it going. Okay. Let's just stick with the linear for now. I, th- right. I think it's easy to keep spreading this out, but. Um, yeah, what was what was the rest of your twenties? What was what was the next? Well, the next part was I would say the most significant part, and that changed the course of everything, which brings me here. Hmm. And when I was twenty four, I was living out in Breckenridge, and I was feeling really depressed, and so thought, well, if I climb trees again, then I'll be happy. All right, so is that mm-hmm. <laughs> really not putting much information in between that? So I came back to Minnesota, and figured I'd work for a few months and during the winter uh it's it's a lot of big tree climbing mm-hmm. just when things are dormant and I I uh ended up falling um I fell about 40 feet and it was about three days before it was it was three days before I was going back 
And I have lots of details of the story, but that would be that would be a whole nother yeah. whole nother time. Yeah. And um, so I fell from about forty feet and was actually upside down in the air, and somehow my body turned around and I landed on my feet wow. with my chainsaw on my side. And I was wearing spikes and um, did a full squat, hit my tailbone, and shattered T twelve, which is Whoa. the vertebrae right at the floating ribs, just above the lumbar spine. Okay. And, um, I was with, uh, Zig and then his partner at the time, Charlie. And, um, a lot of this, I have pieces of information, but it's, it's, it, it feels like a different reality. Yeah. So I pieced this together through their, their account too. But Zig's, Zig came over to me and held me down because I was trying to get up and, uh, Charlie called 911 and luckily there was an ambulance nearby it. I got there pretty quick wow. and um, I had broken that vertebrae. And if I would have stood up, I probably would be paralyzed. God so the problem. Yeah. So they came, Jeez. filled me full of morphine, and then I woke up in the hospital, strapped down to a, a rotating bed, and Whoa. given the, the prognosis, which was if, if I don't do surgery, m- I'll be paralyzed. And if I do do surgery, most likely I'll have mo- a lot of my my mobility, but that I won't have use of my bowel or the bladder. So at 24, Whoa. strapped down to a table um, on morphine, hearing that news, God, man. It, was, it was pretty intense. And fortunately, uh, you know, fortunately my mom was there yeah, and my younger brother and... Um, and I would say they're they're my primary support, for sure, and and friends checking in with me. Um, but we decided to do the surgery, and I made it out of there with use of everything. I mean, I'm definitely, uh, you know, it's such an invasive surgery. I think it was a 13 hour surgery, mm-hmm. and really had to take a lot of things apart and put them back together. And I was. Um, I'm able to walk. I have use of all my like my, my bowels or bowel, bowels and bladder. Oh, you didn't lose that stuff. I didn't lose that stuff. Wow. Yeah, but Amazing. that that was, you know, and I, I just being through this process now, I also recognize how surgeons speak. I mean, they they give the worst. Okay. They 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 usually give the worst prognosis. That makes sense. Which it does make sense. Yeah. And it's yeah. just it's a different breed. I mean, I'm glad yeah. surgeons are out there, but. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. And, uh, so I was, I was actually out of the hospital in two weeks. I, this is my memory. I'm pretty sure it was two weeks. Um, and, but then really the, the hard part started, which was the waiting and the recovery, which I don't feel I I got much direction in. Um, Hmm. I I would say my mom would probably agree with that. Hmm. So I went home and, um, it was, it was really hard. It was it was very hard, and it was a good eight months before I could get out of this uh, body brace that I was wearing. Okay. And I think I, 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 w- I, was, I was walking some in the beginning, but I couldn't stand very long. Um, I couldn't sit very long at all, um, just the amount of pain in the body. And just because I was laying down so much, yeah. um, just blood pressure, and just my body atrophied so much. Yeah. So... I got through that first year, got out of the brace, and and then just started working hard. I started to do everything that I knew how to do to survive. 
Yeah. Which was working as hard as I could work, and then if I work hard, everything will be fine. Well, yeah, my body man. wasn't having it. <laughs> no, God. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I pushed it, yeah. and I pushed it, and I, I was in so much pain. that I, I mean, I went back to doing carpentry. Wow. And I tried climbing for a while, but that was... You tried climbing? I went back to climbing. I was rock climbing again. Gosh, and, man. You know, I had rods, two rods in the back along the spine. Okay. And a plate where the vertebrae was and, you know, a pretty intensive surgery that I didn't have a lot of uh, physical therapy afterwards. You, is that still in? Do you still I have... had the rods taken out okay. about six years after okay. because they were so painful. Wow. And... Um, but, you know, so I, I was really pushing, and I was in a lot of pain, and I'd, I'd cry myself to sleep every night. Oh, just, God. Just the amount of pain I was in. And yet I would I'd get up and do it again and just go, it, it's going to get better until I couldn't do it. Yeah. The headache started. The, the, pain, the pain just overtook me. I couldn't resist it anymore. And I look at it now, and it's like I started to wake up from the trauma of it. And when we wake up from one trauma, we start there to wake up from cascade. all of them. Yeah. yeah. And one night I asked for another way. I just, I, you know. Who did you ask? I, I wasn't even sure who I was asking at that point. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was, I was raised pseudo-Christian. Right? Yeah. We, we, we go to yeah. church on holidays. Um, but I, you know, I would go to Bible studies with friends and, and, and things of that nature. So, I mean, that was my foundation. And at the same time, over the years, I, you know, all those pieces didn't align with me or how church was organized. And, um, and so I, I, I had spiritual questions. And so in many ways, it was just putting it out there to whatever is listening. I don't know what, what this is or how we're even here. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what, whatever, whatever can help me, mm. please help. And did you get an answer? Yeah, the next day. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Woke up the next morning and a friend's mom, uh, who I'd known for a long time, and one of the houses that I spent a lot of time at in school wow. when I was when I was growing up, she called to see how I was doing. And it had been a year or so since I had talked to her. And, um, and she told me about a workshop that she had been to where she was learning uh, what, what now people recognize as myofascial release. Well. And so just working with soft tissue and she was really amazed by it, but not quite sure about it. And I'm not sure what she's doing. So be careful. So she gave me this name and it took me a bit to get a hold of her. I think it took a week or so. Mm-hmm. And this was my first teacher of, and her name is Jean Finley. And I remember the first time I came to see her, I was sitting down and just, you know, I, I just kind of a blubbering mess. Mm-hmm. And she said, Andy, if you're going to heal, you need to get back in your body. Mm. And honestly, what came up first, I was pissed. I was like, how dare she? And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Like, right, what, I was going to ask, did you know what about? that, did you have any idea what that no. meant? Yeah. And that, that piqued yeah. my curiosity because yeah. there is a part of me that knew what it meant. Yeah. And I started to work with her. Hmm. And then about a month later, I met, uh, I had been trying out some therapists. I think I went through eight people. And Yeah. Even during that time, I just had the wherewithal that it wasn't fitting. And so then I met um, a woman, uh, Maureen Rockford. And actually, I asked, I finally asked Jean, hey, do you know one of anyone? She's like, I'm so glad you asked. I've had someone in mind, but I was waiting for you to ask. Right. And so I asked. I saw her, and she said, one of the first things she said to me 
was, Andy, we're not here to fix you. We're here to navigate this differently. And she's like, and you need to get back in your feet. <laughs> so, so again, so that's something I get. And in the, in the healing worlds and in, in some of the spiritual world, like these things, like get right. back in your body. This is, right. this is, this is something that makes sense to, yes. I'd say just a slice of the population. Yes. How, how, how do you think we could put that to, to make it more sense to the every man? So the way, the way that I like just would explain it to anyone mm-hmm. is that we all have this experience on a day to day basis if we're used to sitting at a computer, at a desk, at you know, even midday, we feel like a bobblehead. Yeah. We might be aware of our eyeballs and our nose. I mean, we're like the the awareness of the body. Um, it it just dissipates. Our mm-hmm. mind is elsewhere. It's it's thinking about dinner or thinking about not being at work or mm-hmm. past things coming up. And whenever we follow the mind in that way, it does leave the body. It literally leaves the body. It doesn't mean we're walking around zombies. Yeah. Right. But there's we're we're stretching our resources so thin that we don't we're we don't really have the energy to even sense into even having to go to the bathroom. Right. Right. I mean, right. I think everyone's had that experience. Yeah. Of like thinking about going to the bathroom, and then like two hours later, it's like, wow, I was gonna pee two <laughs> hours ago. I really have to go. Right. Just that experience. Yeah. It's there. It's you know we could talk about it as awareness. But there's some very simple things, like even if someone, you know, listening to this is sitting down in a chair, and I would suggest not doing this while you're driving. Yeah. But, you know, sitting down in a chair and having the heels underneath the knees and the feet about hip width apart and feeling the butt bones, just feeling those pelvic bones, letting them go and feeling the contour of the feet on the floor works a lot better without shoes on. Yeah. And I would say even without socks. Yeah. But just, just that. And oftentimes people will say, oh, yeah, I felt something. Yeah, so you yeah. listeners don't know, but the first couple of podcasts, the first episodes, I did a like a five-minute guided meditation to start the podcast, and I thought we were going to put that out on as part of the podcast. And then quickly recognize that guys would be driving down the road and it was not a safe, it was not a safe endeavor, but that is how we begin our, our, our groups. It's just a simple body awareness practice. It's, yeah. it's, it's what I, it's my basic practice in my meditation and everything. And I would say the best way to practice, like everything we're talking about, whether we're, you know, being aware of our senses, being aware of the body, I think they're all fit together, but it's to do it with other people and yeah. especially be with someone that has that experience because our bodies are in constant communication and and just being around someone with a, that level of of practice or presence you're going to feel it easier it's, th- these things are hard to do on our own yeah they really are it, it, it is yeah. yeah amazing so so you <laughs> i love how fast that happened you asked for help and it yeah. arrived in the form of a teacher yeah. and a therapist yeah and yeah. i would say both yeah. teachers and then yeah. a month later Right, and my mom had been pressing um, me to to go see this this guy, but uh, uh, Matthew Sanford, um, he's he was he's he's a yoga teacher. Uh, he's he's more than a yoga teacher, but at the time I was looking for it's like okay, this, this guy's a yoga teacher. I'm gonna go see him, and he's paralyzed from the chest down. Whoa! And I started to like I, I we were just doing a private session, and he had me on the floor doing some stuff, and then finally, this is how I remember it. And he was just like, dude, you know, I don't know where you are, but you, like, you got to get back in your body or at least be in the room with me. <laughs> <laughs> so he said the same thing, but in a different way. And really it's just, I was, I was spaced out. Right. right? I mean, I think right. we all have this experience of just 
of 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 being lost or somewhere else mm-hmm. and there's so many adaptive reasons for that yeah right being afraid to be with what is actually is happening yeah or that you know we might be hurt some way by another person that says around us and mm-hmm. you know we don't get to know until we try yeah and i think there's a lot of people that um are available to us but we have to be open to really a different sense of awareness because once i met them there was no going back right it's a door <laughs> this is a phrase that i use every day now but a door open that you couldn't shut right <laughs> yeah right yeah. yeah and i could have tried to go back to yeah. sleep but yeah there you know i didn't yeah. I, I knew i didn't want to be asleep and mm-hmm. by being asleep i was in a lot of pain and i was in a lot of suffering so what is the relationship there of 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 being back in your body and, and the pain itself. And I'm really curious about this pain because uh, I don't know this, but my, my guess or my best guess is, is that it's a type of pain that I've probably never felt or I'm, I'm, I'm imagining a lot of people maybe haven't felt that intensive pain and I'm really curious about it. Yeah. And, 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 uh, well, it's interesting because it's something that I continually work with. And at times, I feel great. I don't. I want. I want to say that I'm um, feeling the the effects of the pain, even though um, the possibility is right there. Hmm. And the first time when I saw Jean and I, she had a a, a table. Um, so she's she's under the license of an occupational therapist and does a lot more than just occupational therapy. Really helps helps people live in their bodies in mm-hmm. a different way. Um, but she put her hands on me, and this it was like waking up from a nightmare. Like it was, it was like the pain that felt like broken glass under the skin all the time. Like that's what the pain felt like everywhere. Like everywhere. all of my tissue. Jesus. Yeah. And then the areas that the rods were, it felt like two meat hooks were stuck into my spine and I was hanging. Jesus. Like that, those are the images that I would just be with. Yeah. And it was exhausting. And yet here I lay on the table and she put her hands on me and just like it washed away. No shit. Which was really confusing. I was like, okay, did I, was I making all that up? Right. Is this pain even real? Right. And really started to work with this, this, the, the energy of pain. That pain is energy and energy can't be created or destroyed. It can only change form. Hmm. And that what's painful about pain is that we believe it's solid. What's painful about, you know, sadness is we believe it's solid. Yeah. Right. It's like anything we can talk about that's painful. It's this idea that it's, it's, it's permanent in some way. Right. And, and, and that's what we started to work with and definitely worked with the body in that. Right. If, if I'm not present, then the pain's going to take hold. Hmm. And a lot of people would say, well, if I pay attention to the pain, then it's going to get worse. Right. It's almost counterintuitive in some ways. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And, and re- so when we pay attention to it, it actually gives it more space. Hmm. And some people would say, well, if I give it more space, it's going to spread. Yeah. And actually it dilutes. Yeah, man, I, I'm with you. Why, what, why do you think that this understanding of pain is so hidden from our everyday culture and understanding or is it i i I mean this is a big part of my journey right now you know what what are these things that that um, certain communities in our culture understand and use with amazing effects Mm -hmm. and yet they're just not accepted or a part of our you know i mean we could i'm not trying to get into a conversation about 
you know, big pharma or any, any drug, anything like that. It's, it's just, it's just, it really, I think on a really deep, innocent level, it confuses me and it hurts me somehow to know that there's women or people who have an understanding of how to do these things. And there's so many people out there that don't hear and, and understand, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. And, and how were you able to hear it? Is, is it just you needed? I mean, you know, I, I wonder about, I mean, I've, I've yeah. been asked this question a lot. Like, okay. How do we, like, when do we, when do we come to it? When do we wake up? When do we, like. Come to uh, what though? Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, yeah. I'm not even sure what, what is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I, but I know that, you know, I've often questioned, I, I, I guess I can approach it this way. I've often questioned, it's like, why didn't I just take painkillers? Why didn't I just go down that road? Right. And something in me recognized from the start, from the start, I wanted to get off the drugs. And hmm. before that, I was doing lots of drugs. Mm-hmm. And But I recognized something. I was like, no, like there's, I don't know. This the, the, this is, I would say, the sense of our spirit. Okay. Right? There's there's a part of us. I, I believe this, and, and not just a belief, but I know this. I can feel this, that there's a part in all of us that can't be wounded, mm-hmm. that, that, that actually can't be injured, and that we often bury it away so we can't find it. Mm. But it is, it, it's, it's connected to a greater understanding and really has the map of how not to hurt. And, and not just by avoiding things, right? right? But to, to right. actually, yeah. like, how, do we, how do we soften enough that things can shift and heal again? Right. And, yeah. and, and I think yeah. that so much, at least in culture, maybe where we are as human beings is that we harden against things. Right. And we do, we live in a very masculine society I mean, just kind of talking about the U S and it's, it's about overpowering. It's about controlling. It's about, you know, confining and fixing and all of those things are not natural and will always always crumble hmm. and but to to actually soften to what is happening means that we have to acknowledge that we're not in control of this great well said and i would say it's scary it brings up fear it brings up yeah it brings up emotions that we don't know what to do with we don't yeah. often don't even recognize Right. And, and the sensations yeah. that rise in the body. And you know, the, the word that I've always used for, I think whatever that is, those, those sensations that arise, the, the emotions mm-hmm. is the word intense. I think that's mm-hmm. my go-to, <laughs> that's yeah. my go-to label. It's like, whoa, that's intense, <laughs> you know, or, you know, I think my, my major journey with, with my meditation practice has been uh, being able to hang with the intensity, yes. Being able to be okay with things as they get more and more intense, and the intensity is like intense to the millionth power. Yeah, you know, it's and, like a crazy intensity. Does that intensity last, or does it does it shift and change? Oh, it always changes. Yeah, and that's yeah. right. I, yeah. I think that's the most important piece. Yeah, to mm-hmm. that we get to learn. Sometimes it gets more intense. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. All right, viewers who who are uh, you know weirded out by spiritual talk, we're we're officially there. So deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's good. I th- I think I'm I'm I think this is. Uh, listen, I I think you're a. 
I think you're a hero, a true hero. Now, what do you mean by a hero? I think you're an incredible example to other people for, for, I mean, you know, I don't know you that well, but you're here and you're healthy and you're Mm -hmm. vibrant and, and, and there's a sparkle in your eye and you have a lot of wisdom and you know what you shared in the past hour is a a very, very difficult life, Mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, I, I mean, we call heroes people who, who just like do one nice deed or something. And that seems really weak mm-hmm. in comparison to <laughs> stepping up to a life. And, and, yeah. you know, and I don't want to just single you out. I think anybody who really, regardless of what your life is, if mm-hmm. you really step up to it fully and right, you know, either on your own volition or because you're, you have to or forced to, whatever it is. I think that's heroic. I really do. Yeah. But, um, and I like that stepping up to your life because mm-hmm. we, we all have that opportunity and given right? when we're younger, we don't have a lot of agency over that. And, and yet, you know, a- a- after, after we find space to make different choices, Mm-hmm. Even if we feel like we keep falling into the same mm-hmm. same uh, pattern of things that, that isn't good for us, we can always look for guidance. Yeah. There's there's guidance all around us. I mean, there's like like we were talking about in the beginning, we all have stories and we all have these experiences. And I think for a lot of people, it's just, it's scary to share them. It's scary to see if they're going to be received. Yeah. And, and I would say that, you know, if, we can feel so many of these things and in much of our conditioning, we learn how to override our very like sensitive sensors mm. of like when we're attracted to people and I don't, I'm not, I'm just talking about sexual attraction, but attracted to be near someone. Mm-hmm. There's significance to that. And yeah, we can just ignore that and put that off, but it's going to show up again. And it's going to keep <laughs> yeah. showing up until we go, Oh, there might be something to harvest here. Yeah. And then we get, a, and then, and then we get to become, more of us. Yeah. No, I like that. I like that more of us. The, our tagline or our, for every man is be more. That's, yeah. that's, 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 that's our, that. that's our tagline. Um, how did that, how did that land? Or were you, when I called you a hero, did that, did that, you know, honestly, uh, this is, this is, this is an edge for me that I continue to work is it's hard for me to, um, to be seen like that yeah like to be acknowledged in that way and i've I've been having experiences like this just even over the last year uh-huh. and um i appreciate it and uh-huh. i appreciate just sitting with it but immediately i put a question back to yeah. you <laughs> yeah yeah and, and that that was kind of like oh i don't i don't know that's a little yeah. hot i'm not sure what to do with that yeah, yeah. because the, but that but that's power and 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 it's it's powering with and i think that i've often been afraid of just just power and you know power power of seeing power of 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 knowing a power of sensing mm-hmm. because i've often thought of it as powering over mm. and it's it's not it doesn't have to look that way it's, yeah. it's it gets to be a shared experience yeah well well said so who are you today who well, am i today yeah who are you today mm. that's a great question yeah today i am someone that is excited about sharing myself 
and knowing that I need rest and knowing that I'm going to take a nap later <laughs> and knowing that I, I don't need to push myself. I don't need to push myself so hard mm. ever. Mm-hmm. And that life keeps happening and life's a lot easier than, than I realize. Hmm. And I just, I want to keep realizing that. <laughs> That's a nice thought. Yeah. Life's easier. Yeah. Last night, um, I had, a I was in my, in my group here in Bozeman and when it was my turn to share, I, uh, I didn't know where to go because I was just super happy and super fulfilled, you know, but I slowed down and let myself feel that mm. all the way. And I recognize that in that moment, and I think I could probably be there right now too, probably happier and more fulfilled than I've ever been in my life across the board in a, in a steady, consistent, strong way, not in an up, you know, super high, high and low, low, but just in like a present fulfilled, like I am so in love with my wife and I have a little boy and I am doing this work every day to what I believe in and what I care about. And, uh, I feel so grateful and uh, it was really special to have that moment. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) man, you know, and it doesn't feel easy all the time, but uh, knowing that it can be good like this. Yeah. Wow. What a gift. Yeah. And I think knowing that it, 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 it's okay that if it doesn't feel good. Yeah. It's okay if, yeah. Yeah. And, and that like, the resistance to what is happening. That's it. it that hurts. <laughs> that hurts way more yeah. than, usually more than what is happening. Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. That's great. So to end these podcasts, we, um, each week we put out a, a weekly challenge to the mm-hmm. listeners, listeners of one thing that they can, one small step, one actionable item they can take on to, you know, move forward in their lives and do yeah. something different. And okay. so I'm wondering if you have any ideas. Well, I do have an idea, yeah. and I want to. I'll I'll, I'll yeah. say it and check with you yeah. because I tend to be on the, I to be subtle, mm-hmm. and yet you know we were talking about awareness and how to sense things in the body, and I think that's that's it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's hard to like where do we even start with that? What does that even mean? And the breath is one of the most accessible aspects of us. And thank goodness I don't have to think about breathing because I would be dead a long time ago, <laughs> right? Because I, I I do I find myself holding the breath. So even just noticing the breath. And I would say that this this is just, you know, sometime during the day, I think we all have a time during the day that we recognize where we feel the safest, the like where we have some containment. Mm-hmm. I think like for me, the shower, right? It's a private space. Nobody's bothering you, hopefully. <laughs> and, it, it, you know, you have that, the bathroom, maybe when you first wake up in the morning. But is to... Notice the in breath, and notice the out breath, and it it might be you notice the in breath, and then the mind wanders, mm-hmm. and then you notice the out breath. That's fine, but it's just even noticing what does the breath feel like when it moves through the nostrils, mm-hmm. and at the end of that out breath, there's there's a there's a short pause that happens. You don't have to make the pause, you don't have to hold the pause, but it's just right at that point where the breath turns around and mm-hmm. comes back in, and this is the place, and it it. It may sound subtle to a lot of listeners, but 
It's a good challenge. Anything that yeah. we pay attention to, it's not so subtle anymore. Yeah. It becomes reality. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you just get a follow to see where that takes you. I like that. That's your challenge, folks. <laughs> <laughs> and then what? That's what we're going to get asked. And then what? Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> do it again. Yep, do it again. <laughs> notice, notice how it's the same action, but it always feels different. Yeah. Wow, man, that was a, that was, thank you for being here. That was a beautiful and powerful chunk of time. Um, I appreciate being here. Yeah. Anything else that you, that you want to say or anything that gets to be complete here? I really appreciate sitting with you and being able to have eye contact Mm -hmm. and just being witness to truth of experience. Mm -hmm. And I, I hope that for everyone and I wish that for everyone. Me too. All right, guys. Thanks, and we'll see you next week.